If a B-52 almost crashed into your house, and then you saw a UFO, don't you think it would be about time to find a new neighborhood? This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place, and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. One person I might have to reach out to in the coming weeks is Joe Johns from CNN. Joe went viral uh, this week after he had a confrontation with uh, a raccoon on the White House lawn. So he's a, he's a Washington correspondent for CNN, and so he does a lot of stand-ups in front of the, the White House. And, and literally, the raccoon kept interrupting him. And right before he goes on the air, he, uh, he he's uh, dealing with this raccoon and actually throws a bag at the animal to try to get him to get him uh, to, to go away. Uh, the raccoon does eventually leave, and he does his uh, live shot with uh, with uh, no interruption after that. Get! There he is. Ah! Now, no events on the president's schedule today, and important to say, the White House, yeah, especially from the damn... Oh, my God. <laughs> raccoons, man. God, again, this is the second time. Jesus. So props to Joe Johns for for being such a professional and, and getting through his uh, his his work even when interrupted by Mother Nature. Of course, you'd already know about Joe Johns' uh, raccoon encounter if you went to keithconradmedia.com and signed up for my free email newsletter, the News Side Quest. You'll read a bunch of uh, interesting stories that. Generally, aside from Joe Johns being a political correspondent, avoids politics like the plague. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll say, what? So visit KeithConradMedia.com and sign up. It's on the right-hand side of the page. Also remember to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to be listening, because it helps new people find the show. My guest this week is the co-host of the Hannah and Fred show every Sunday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., on WCGO in Chicago. Hannah Stanley, thanks so much for joining me this week. Oh, Keith, it's my pleasure. I really, I, I'm super excited to get to do this with you. Well, maybe you won't be by the time we're done. I don't, I don't know. Time will tell. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm a big aviation geek. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, when I was growing up, he was a, he was a private pilot. So we'd, you know, fly in Cessnas all over the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have uh, I have Meniere's disease, so I can't actually fly uh, fly an airplane myself. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which, yeah, Meniere's is really bad. My parents both have it. I, I think it it would actually help me be a pilot because I can't tell right from up anyway. So you know, up and down <laughs> anyway. So yeah, <laughs> I, I have to pay extra attention. So you think I would I would be better at it? Yes, it would be. Uh, that's something that we might want to prove in a simulator. I, I think so, yeah. Although I, I will say that um uh at one point um uh I I had said on a on a show that I was working on, I had said, Well, you know, I have this condition so I can't fly a plane, but if I was on a plane and and uh, somebody had to Ted Striker the plane, mm-hmm. uh, nice. I I could actually do that. Like if there if there wasn't a if there wasn't a, a, a licensed pilot I could step in because I actually know how to do everything. I'm just not actually allowed to do it. And uh, we, we never quite got around to it, but uh, they had this elaborate plan of getting me in a flight simulator and just, 
just letting me go and see if I could actually land it without any instruction? Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, Ted Stryker had instruction to some degree. So um, that's the difference. Yeah, no, I think you could probably uh, be okay. I, I'd trust you if I had no other option. Yeah, if the flight attendant is standing at the front of the airplane and she says, does anybody have any flying experience? I would just raise my hand and say, listen, if you're really desperate, if, if there's nobody no else one raises else. their hand, yeah. you can definitely count on me. But This but, is like all of a sudden I almost broke into the A-team uh, opening monologue and I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> anyway. You could, you and know, if you can find them, maybe you can hire Keith Conrad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're onto something here, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, I have I'm very thankful. Uh, the the worst um, situation I've ever had to deal with in a plane was a a very stormy approach to Nashville, Tennessee. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, that's I, not a big airport either. No, and and we were we were flying southwest, and uh, I mean I I don't know how many tornadoes were in the area, but it, I mean this was a really big storm. And the airplane is bouncing up and down. The guy mm-hmm. next to me is like grabbing onto both uh, seat handles and he's just terrified. And then the flight attendant comes on the uh, PA system and starts singing. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. <laughs> I love Southwest. <laughs> I love Southwest. I used to be a very bad passenger during landings. It felt like to me that was when the most things could go wrong. And I I know statistically it's actually more takeoff. Um, But I was white knuckling uh, my, my seat, my armrests on approach once. And the guy next to me said, you okay. And I said, I'm not a good lander. And he said, very deadpan. The pilot is. And I laughed so hard. And that was the last time I had stress on a flight. I'm like, (laughs) this is not, I have nothing to do with it. Me willing it down safely is not going to help. So I just uh, I just relaxed and realized people who had far more training um, and far less Munir's disease than you uh, right. are in charge. Yeah, um, yeah and they, have, uh, they generally have uh, families and friends that they would like to see again. So you're probably... Typically, you know, they're, yeah. They're, they're as invested in, uh, in the plane landing safely as you are. Yeah, there's bonuses attached to it, yeah. I'm guessing. So, yeah, I would uh, I'm not worried about it anymore. That's probably a good thing, but uh you you did have your own uh, aviation scare. Oh, uh, that th- that was not uh yeah. not, not an airplane that you were involved in, but uh, you you were definitely invested in that. Oh one no, but I recognized it. So, my my father was in the Air Force when I was little. Uh, little, little, like, but I was born on a base, uh, a sack base, as a matter of fact. Um, and, um, so I, any, you know, there were B-52s cause it was strategic air command, um, during, um, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So my, my mom and dad were both very aware of what B-52s were. I was, um, you know, having air force in my family, my grandfather was Army Air Corps, so that was the precursor to the Air Force. So I grew up knowing a lot about military aircraft. Um, and one day, I was 12. My mom was pregnant with my little brother. My sister was nine at the time. And 
there was just the most, and you know, and, and Keith, I know you know this, there's a difference between military engine sound, right? Military aircraft engines mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, just like, oh, that's a prop plane. Yeah, I, um, I think it's mostly because yeah. the uh, the military, you know, civilian, they're trying to make uh, everything comfortable for the passengers and they're, yes. and, and they're actually like required to be, to make everything as quiet as possible so that they're not yes. disturbing the people around the airport the airport in the military they're not worried about they that. don't care no the people around the airport are their people so they don't get a they if if they want them to complain they will tell them to right. so um yeah so there's there was this incredibly loud screaming engine sound that was approaching from outside and um uh my father was at work this is the middle of the day this is like I'm going to say, and I'm trying to remember it was on TV because I know exactly where I was sitting um, and something was on television. But anyway, um, we, we were sitting on the couch and it was um, a ranch home. So there was a plate glass window behind me. So I, in the Chicago terminology, we were in the front room, right? right? Um, because it was right next to the front door, but I could look out the back because then the kitchen was like tucked behind you know, because it was before open concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see out the, the kitchen window where the kitchen table was, and the entire backyard went black. It was completely in shadowed. Uh, so whatever it was that was heading towards us, it had blacked out the sun and cast a shadow over our yard. So um, so it's the middle of the afternoon. Middle. Of, I, I'm guessing it's like 1, 2, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And my... Mom, we can see this plane, and it is barreling towards the house. Um, and my mom grabs my sister and I and falls onto the floor and is screaming, I'm never going to see my baby. Oh, and wow. we're both, my sister and I are both very much crying, although having lived through this and looking back on it as a memory, it's almost like I am separated from the person who was there it's probably a sure sign of ptsd i'm not sure but um this plane was going to crash in our house and we all i don't think my sister realized what type of a plane it was but we were able to see the underbelly of the plane the engines the wingspan and as it passed over our house i remember saying it missed it missed and then we jumped up on the couch and handprints on the plate glass window because we knew it was going to kill our friends who lived a street, two streets beyond, because it was coming down. Mm-hmm. And miraculously, um, they pulled it up. They were able to, whatever was going on with that plane, they got through it. But it was not more than... <sighs> hundred feet above the house. Oh wow. I mean that that's ten stories, but a plane that large, um, that's really close. That's yeah, you really can probably close. see what see the uh what color eyes the pilot had. Okay, so here's what's interesting. That it this is where it gets a little wacky. My mom, once we are like, we're alive, yay, she runs to aforementioned kitchen area because that's where the phone was on the wall. Um and with the with the cord that had been stretched out to maybe six feet, um, so she called my dad at work and she said, 
Roger, uh, a B-52 almost crashed into the house. And he laughed hysterically. Uh, he was like, no, no. And she was like, Roger, we lived in a base. I know what a B-52 is. I saw it. It almost crashed into the house. I mean, she was in hysterics. And he was like, okay, 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 okay. Then my grandfather um, was still working. And he worked for WGN. Uh, at the time, I think he was at WGN TV. At, some, at one point in his career, he was at radio and television. Um, and by the way, he passed away before I got my job. So it had nothing to do with that. Um, but anyway, uh, he, she called him. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, we're getting a call to the newsroom. I'll see what goes on. But truthfully, I don't think he really believed her either. Mm-hmm. My dad comes home later and he goes, you know, so-and-so, because when you remember stories from when you were a kid, aren't, aren't all the parties named so-and-so? Because I don't remember who he was actually talking about. Right. So, yeah. he, so I was talking to so-and-so and he was on North Avenue. And by the way, I lived in the western suburbs mm-hmm. of Chicago at this time. And he said he was on North Avenue, which if you're around the area, also known as Route 64, um, he was on North Avenue and he saw a B-52 like 100 feet right above the house. Uh, he was very close to us when this was going on. And he, he said the pilot was blocked. And so <laughs> now, he, now he started believing um, because there were more confirmed sightings. Mm-hmm. But again, this is before cell phone cameras or anybody. Really, you would have had to have the camera out ready just in case. Um, it was that fast. Yeah, like the, the, the DC-10 that crashed at uh, at O'Hare, you know, in the, in yeah. the 70s. There's one picture, you know, yeah. showing it right before it crashed. And, uh, yeah. you know, that that's it. If it happened today, there would be hundreds yeah. of video and so, everything. Absolutely. So that was Flight 191. Um, and, yeah, that would have been live streamed on Facebook from inside and outside. Um, yeah. uh, and that's that's an interesting thing because that one, uh, I have a story about that, too, of course. I have a story about everything. Um, I was in kindergarten or first grade when that happened, and I walked out of my grade school, and there was a mushroom cloud. Oh, and I knew wow. something really bad had happened, and it was the mushroom cloud from the crash of 191. Um, and one of my very, very close friends growing up and to this day, her dad was supposed to have been on that flight and oh, forgot wow. his briefcase at home. And... Um, turned around because it was a business trip. He had to have his briefcase and he missed his flight and he watched it crash. Wow. So, so. so that's, that's uh, not, not quite on the same level as uh, Seth MacFarland, who is supposed to uh, fly in one of the, the hijacked planes on 9-11, but he was so hungover that he missed his flight. But, but it's, yeah. it's in the ballpark. No, but, and, and really, God, that's a crazy one. But, yeah. uh, but, but similar and always one of those things where like we were always, I don't know. It was growing up and having that knowledge was always just a very strange um, second chance to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and anytime you'd see a, a plane doing anything weird, you'd be uh, you'd be be looking, looking at it. Yeah. Kind of yeah, absolutely. And I've always, you know, if I see one that's a little bit low or the engine sound a little off, I'm always waiting for. Because they don't just plummet from the sky, right? That's not how it actually works. Um, 
but it's it's a very strange thing to have lived through and seen and then to have so few other people have had that same experience mm-hmm. um, where it just, I mean, clearly it doesn't come in, up to in conversation very often. Like, Hey, did you ever have a B-52 almost crash in your house? No. Nope? Okay. Just me. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the, the only time it'll come up is when, uh, when your friend Keith is like, Hey, come, come tell a crazy <laughs> story in my podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's this one. And you're like, that sounds good. So, so the biggest life lesson that I'm, I'm, I'm getting from this is that uh, you should always keep your eyes uh, on the skies because you never know. Eyes on the skies. And now that we have phones and cameras on us, just always have them ready because people would believe you with photographic proof. I guess my dad would have at least. (laughs) Yeah. he, He wouldn't have laughed it off. No. And yeah, that was just what was so weird. But I mean, we watched the news coverage and they were like, there was nothing, nothing about it um, because nobody had video. So mm-hmm. what, what is it? Pixar? It didn't happen. That's yeah. like the new thing. That's that's kind of what they said to us in the uh, the mid 80s. Yeah. You so, think there would have been some record of that, but uh, you'd think unless they weren't supposed to be what, the, like, why would there be a B-52 above suburban Chicago? No one knows. That's true. And, and it's, it's, was, my brother was born in August, so it would have been in the summer. And um, he, so that wouldn't have even been air and water show. Like, I've gone through this multiple times in my head. Um, yeah, but it would have been the summer of 84 that this would have happened. Wow. And Mm -hmm. as I understand it, that's not even the strangest thing that happened to you in that neighborhood. No, totally not. So weirder, although this one wasn't crashing, I was driving with aforementioned baby brother who my mom was pregnant with at this time, at the time of the first one of the stories, I guess I've now, I'm now on my third story. Um, if we count 191 as a side tangent. So, um, we were driving through Glen Ellen at the time um, from Roosevelt Road towards, we were driving north. And it's a Sunday afternoon. It's like four o'clock. So it's that really pretty time of day where it's sort of, it's not really dusk, but it's, you know, the sun's a little bit more golden. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was really just thinking, wow, this is such a pretty little town. And my brother, I looked at my brother, who was in the front seat, um, although it, now I don't think he would have been because of state regulations for safety, um, because he was younger. But he right. was in the front seat, and he said, and he's just looking. And I go, what? And I looked up in the sky where he was looking, and I slammed my brakes because there was an airplane in the sky that was totally stopped. And I went... And I'm like, I'm kind of, I wish there was video of this sort of, um, but there, my mouth was just like kind of a gape. And I went, um, and he goes, it doesn't have any wings, Hannah. And I said, it doesn't. <laughs> and so we were looking at this aircraft that didn't look like any other aircraft. And while trying to process it, it was amazing to, listen to my brain try to make sense of it mm-hmm. while it was going on and i knew i couldn't like i had the car came to a complete stop because i just i could not process it and drive at the same time and so i had hit my brakes and i just stood there and then or i sat there in the car 
And then all of a sudden it darted east and I um, took so, off so after it because what else do you do? It goes from not moving at all, like like you're you're looking at it, it's just stopped to yeah. shooting. So so there's really exactly like it is in the movies where it's perfectly stopped and then it goes exit stage right. Totally what happened? Why? Because totally there's no way. What happened. But like when you first said, "Oh, there's an airplane that stopped." Like I I know, you know, there's um you know if the airplane is moving in one direction and you're moving in another, it, right? You know, there's there's a way nope. that it can look like. It, yes. No. Nope, that's not it's it. It's not. But but then nope. you say, then you drop the it has no wings and that that sort it of makes it mysterious. Has no wings. Yeah. And I just and everything he was like saying is something that I was processing in my head. I'm like, okay, well, this makes total sense. It is an airplane and it just appears like it has stopped. Clearly, we are driving that quickly. Um, and then you do the quick like, did you see that when you're looking around and there is no one else outside. Um, on a beautiful day. And so that was a little peculiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it darted, it, it moved very rapidly towards the east. As I mentioned, we were heading north. Um, and I turned at the next, like I was, I don't know, a house or two from the corner. But if anybody's familiar with Glen Ellen, it's very tree filled and mm-hmm. moderately hilly. Um, and, and it was gone. I had no further view of it because i kept thinking i'll see it in a different light and it will clearly appear to be something that i do know what it is yeah but but that still doesn't explain why uh like like even if you were looking at it from a weird angle and that's the only reason it didn't look like Mm -hmm. it had wings but it turns out it did that yeah you know you can't really explain it was stopped or even appeared to be stopped and <laughs> right. then went in a completely different direction at a, at a high rate of speed. Like there's just high no rate way of you speed. can do that. Like it was just sitting there hovering and then being gone. Um, so then we went home, which was only, and, and your dad know. said, Hannah, that was a B 52. No, <laughs> no. He was like, ever since that B 52 story. No, he, my parents were both outside. Um, and we got out of the car and they both looked at us and they, they said, everything okay? Are you guys all right? Or something along those lines. And I didn't say anything. And my brother, Walker, goes, we just saw a UFO. And, <laughs> and my dad looked up and he had this really weird grin on his face. And he goes, did you really? Like, not like, are you blanking kidding me? Like, you're the same person who said it would be if you two almost crashed into the house. Like, literally like, well, that's cool. Like he was like, that's awesome. And then my mom went, uh, let's go talk to them. And they separated us. Um, my mom took me upstairs to my room and basically interviewed me about what I had seen, what it had done, what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And then and then they switched and they interviewed it. My dad interviewed us and our stories were exactly the same. And what was interesting and, and we couldn't have proven this to them. The rest of the way home, my brother and I said nothing. We did not, like, there was nothing to say. I just, like, we lost whatever we were looking at, and I just turned and went home, which was only three, four, five minutes Mm -hmm. from where we had been. Um, And then we got out of the car, and that was the first thing Walker said was, it was either we saw a UFO or we saw a flying saucer. 
And my dad's my dad going, did you really? And with the with the how cool is that look was very, <laughs> very interesting. And I love how your parents reaction was uh, to immediately go like all detective and, you know, separate you and make sure you, your stories were straight. That That's awesome. Yeah, well, and I had mentioned that my grandfather was, you know, a uh, news director or he had worked for WGN. So he mm-hmm. was news director of radio and television at one point. So we have some of this journalistic mindset in our blood, right? But yeah, in, immediately they separated us and, and uh, put on a, a single light bulb in each room. <laughs> and um, and for it was very weird because it became black and white all of a sudden everything. But um, sepia toned really right there yeah. uh yeah no but but it was very interesting that they did that and that 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 was how um but then our stories correlated and then i took colored pencils which i happened to have i mean i was driving so i was probably 17 at mm-hmm. the point maybe 18 um, but i happened to have colored pencils and i drew like this tiny little drawing of it and i brought it downstairs and set it on the table and walker goes that's it. I was like, yep, that's it. That's what we saw. Um, and then again, my mom called news stations and said, Hey, and I begged her not to, I was like, mom, they're going to take information. I'm going to be labeled as crazy. Like, this is, Please don't make this. Cause again, I'm a teenager. So now I think everything's going to go on my permanent record. Um, and nobody had called in or reported anything. I was the only person apparently with my little brother who had seen anything that day. Wow. Well, now, you know, the uh, uh, the men in black will be coming to pay you a visit now that you shared the story. <laughs> That's okay. I don't mind. Yeah. They're, uh, they have some cool toys. Uh, well, thank so. you so much for sharing your stories, Hannah. Oh, my goodness. Again, anytime. It's always great to get to hang out with you and, and rehash some of these bizarre things that have happened that I don't think about frequently. Yeah. But there's definitely some bizarre stuff happening out there. There is. I think George Norrie is going to call, so I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Gabatron.